India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone it's been more than a month since my last podcast a lot of events have happened but the market itself has remained as dull as ever or we may simply say there's been volatility on both sides of the equation but the real speed if we really remove the single group that has caused the chaos has not been so high we haven't seen you know significant momentum moves in key large cap stocks to really help a trending move in the market so what all has transpired so far is we've had several meetings the fed meetings the rbi meeting we've had the budget and all of that put together uh, you know has created a mixed scenario on the one side central banks want to continue to support liquidity that is what is apparent from their actions while they continue to talk tough on inflation so we do see the us and, and europe europe earlier was easy in its monetary policy but with inflation crossing 10% they have become a little tight but as us and europe remain tight uh, the others that is japan and china are the ones that are providing most of the new liquidity that is coming in since january so uh, the us did step in a little bit of liquidity around the election time october november uh, it slowed down a bit and then now the hand has shifted towards other uh, nations uh, around the world china of course was shut down till december and then they went into the reopening trade so they have room there to actually have some expansionary policies because they need to support the dom- domestic economy i was just reading a post online uh, maybe another 95 billion dollars equivalent of uh, fund infusion infusion happened on friday so uh, uh, for all of january and i think till now hundreds of billions of dollars uh, you know uh, put into uh, liquidity through the chinese system so when you have different central banks around the world participating there are different ways in which we are really really trying to make sense as to why the markets are going up but don't you think this is such a prolonged discussion and debate on you know people are so worried about why is the market going up this is how at least i read the global hedge fund manager debates uh, they are all uh, apart from a few people who are tracking liquidity and sensing okay there can be a rebound or maybe well the us economy is not lost ground across the board yes you have hurt a certain parts of the uh, maybe real estate sector etc from you know raising rates but generally things have been strong and which is why higher rates are being absorbed also uh, the corporate sector debt levels apart from what we call as zombie companies if we just remove that from the list zombie companies are those that survived because of zero interest rates which can't really pay interest on their credits you know so they just been around for the last decade and they form around uh, maybe around 18 to 20% of the s&p 500 companies now apart from that uh, most companies have actually deleveraged in 2008 9 uh, the great recession was a period where the banking sector deleveraged because uh, a lot of the corporate or banking credit that went bad was either transferred or bought out some of the companies were bailed out some of them were uh you know let go uh, and the equal amount of financing was provided through quantitative easing so that part has already been done yes when you do that what happens is you shift debt loads from the uh, corporate side to the government side and so the government take, has taken the hold of uh, you know expanding its credit and providing support to the economy especially in the post pandemic period so us debt to uh, you know uh, gdp ratio in terms of the public debt which is the government's debt which was below 90% maybe a 10 year ago crossed 100 and then now is at around 125% so that is where it is most of the debt load is being taken by the government 
In India, we can see a similar scenario. India, I've always said, repeated, we are around eight to ten years behind the U.S. in terms of these cycles. So, if we go back to the nineteen early nineteen late nineteen nineties, we were at around ninety percent debt to GDP uh, when the Vajpayee government was supporting growth at the end of that downturn uh, through the nineties. And once they did that, and growth picked up when interest rates actually came down in India, which is after two thousand and one, we saw rates fall below eight percent, and that triggered a boom in. you know housing purchases car purchases which is going on till today and so those low rates have spurred uh, you know the hidden middle class desire and demand to own homes and uh, homes and cars which has been part of the large uh, you know single purchases apart from uh, general consumer spending now as all that happened and corporate debts uh, expanded because they were you know going into infrastructure power building all that we ended up with our own debt uh, crisis problems after which showed up after 2015 they of course were part of the pre 2008 boom phase and so uh, that all got bailed out 2018 1920 uh, and then post pandemic the indian government had to step in spend more money and doing that our debt to gdp ratio which had come down from maybe 90% to 66% or 64% at the lows is back to closer to 90% because of all these gaps in between but the good news is our tax receipts unlike the us are uh, you know much more uh, buoyant uh, and resilient because and every time so there's inflation there's some growth that is happening 7% plus or minus gdp real growth is helping tax revenues remain uh, pretty strong you know gst revenues have grown year after year after year uh, the us remains on a tight limb on that uh, a slight uh, slow down in the economic activity out there results in lower tax receipts making their own uh, you know uh, deficit problem bigger so they face we all face different levels of problems because like i said we are behind them in terms of the curve in the economic cycle and they are ahead in terms of where they have troubles but one thing that has happened in both nations is that corporate level uh, credit problems have been brought down at least uh, in india so it's come down because a lot of the bad debt got transferred corporates cleaned up metal sector which was high on credit because of the commodity boom of 21 22 have reduced their debt levels and so in general we can say india's corporate sector is Uh, low on leverage the only recent leverage issue we've uh, heard so much about has been around the adani group and uh, uh, apart from high valuations that's been the so it's a two fold issue right one is high valuation one is high credit now that's also brought down to some extent various banks have cleared their positions of not being overexposed and so the credit is spread out and so there's no single you know bank that would end up uh, you know taking the burden of uh, you know excessive credit and of course uh, uh, the issue remains open in terms of whether uh, anything uh, uh, un un what what should we really say did anything happen which is not normal in terms of business which means was there any uh, uh, bad bad doings on their part you know that's the only thing which should create risk otherwise it is a business risk right you know you invest in infrastructure there's a 5 6 year kind of cycle uh, you know before which you can actually start repaying loans and so there are timelines and Uh, you have to invest in certain projects and complete them over a over a certain period so that the credit remains good and you're able to repay. I mean that's that's how it has always worked. And if that all is true, if there's there's no other scam or anything involved, then that's how it's going to be. And there's no overexposure in any particular bank. The only uh, issue would remain well valuations were high. They've taken a knock. We can debate whether they are high yet or not. The good thing is from a pure market analysis standpoint is that all of this bad news has come and passed. Uh, of course it is having a overhang yet on the market which is probably why after the budget day when a lot of the announcements happened we haven't really had a runaway move i would have thought you would 
but uh, the overhang has not let it happen even today uh, some of the uh, i mean adani enterprises was down around 6% so that's probably caused banking stocks to weaken a bit so this news flow is continuously going back and forth on this issue and that is probably causing the near term volatility uh, and we can only hope that it's behind us sooner than later at the same time well while we are trying to discount this issue and remember we've made a low point the budget day highs and lows are sentimentally important pivot levels and so 17353 is an important pivot from where i would think uh, for months probably the market would remain above that level and it couldn't be very very positive because we made a low point after a two month decline from december through january uh, the only thing is we haven't bounced from there sharply so will we get a sharp bounce will we start shifting away from looking at the problems of a single group to the rest of the market the economy and the positive effects of what the budget has really laid out and also the case that you know global liquidity expanding causes some resilience in terms of growth which is already there and we start pricing that in into our own uh, you know models and factors because businesses you know started to pull back it started to show in slowing numbers for example the it sector uh, but moment everyone feels a little easy that yeah things are not going to get as tight as we thought maybe there's a case for a soft landing then business starts to flow and earnings do start to revive so that is the that is the hope uh, that we are living at the debate between hedge funds remains whether you can or can't get a soft landing because you know debt problems are still high we have caused a slowdown in housing there's still wage inflation will it squeeze profits or not but when you get you know percolated inflation which is that where it actually spreads through the entire system then it's really not only about commodity prices it's really about prices of everything going up this is an argument you would have heard me make maybe a year ago or year and a half ago when i was still uh, bullish on the market irrespective uh, the idea was that well inflation can remain elevated if it remains at the same level after a 6 month or 12 month period the base effect causes it to come back to zero that's the phase we are in right now we've seen peak inflation we are seeing it come off base effects will kick in over the next 6 months unless there's a new inflationary cycle uh, numbers are not going to run away but if prices of some things go up everything goes up so you don't just see cpi you see ppi you see wage inflation so when price of everything goes up then essentially you're not seeing a slowing down of demand you're seeing a repricing of the economy which is sort of what was the whole mmt theory right modern monetary policy really wanted to push up the debt to uh, the gdp level so that the debt to gdp comes down through inflation rather than through deflation and if that's the fight then we are fair, fighting a fair fight in terms of going back and forth create a little bit of inflation then take a few steps back let it cool off don't let it overheat the overheating is essentially been the result of what we ended up doing in the post pandemic period which is overspending trillions of dollars of stimulus low interest rates and you know uh, freebies to everybody at least in the us and india we were far far more uh, cautious about giving out freebies i think we did some things where we thought were necessary we actually kept things tight so there's been some liquidity injection which the rbi is still saying they're going to remove but actually not been too much so india shouldn't have really had persistent inflation but then part of the reason is that it's global so when prices everywhere are going up it does have a sentimental impact and rub off on your own market as well and that may be the reason why inflation in india also uh, is uh, at a slightly higher level but there's this other thing why inflation will remain high there are many arguments mine is very simple it's the commodity cycle but the commodity cycle per se cannot be reason for inflation see inflation is something which is more deep rooted it's about prices of everything going up if just certain costs go up does it cause inflation so you look back go back to 2002 to 2008 bull market oil prices went from $30 to $140 did it cause inflation only at the fag end i mean we remained between that 4 5% inflation range for most of the time period 
at that point where oil went to 140 yes we saw a spike in inflation and raised rates but by that time we were already in the next uh, bear market because of the us housing bubble so uh, there's this interim phase where you can actually you know walk on a thin line have some balance it can last for a year or two if not more and that can be a boom phase so are we really entering a boom phase because of low interest rates and a falling dollar that's the theory that i'm really trying to push at uh, the dollar peaked in uh, you know september of this year initially i waited for a long time till january to see will it go back below the breakout point of 104 now it has gone below that it's struggling to try and come out maybe if it does come also temporarily uh, we'll have to seriously think about whether it's temporary or not because uh, uh, if the larger trend of the dollar was up why did it take such a big hit clearly we don't want a strong dollar environment it doesn't help anybody and a weak dollar environment does push up commodity prices but it's very helpful to emerging markets and growth in general if you can simply keep the dollar from going up too much and keep it even flat it's good for everyone there's no currency volatility people who are net borrowers in uh, dollars their pressure eases liquidity improves and last but not the least can certain countries then actually bring down interest rates because if you don't have an inflation problem if the dollar is stable if inflation gets base effects then places like india where the yields had shot up to 7.5 and i was actually scared if it breaks out of that we'll go to 9 again for a second time anticipating that goes wrong it can end up being a good thing 2018 19 i was anticipating that spike above 8% it didn't happen we did go to 8.1 or 2 and then fell off and so it was a temporary reaction in the markets but after that things stabilized so once again we've come to 7.4 7.5 we've topped here three times i think in the last couple of several months uh, if we don't break out beyond that and bond yields start to go down again then we have a case for falling interest rates and once we we start seeing that i think markets will become a little more cheerful than they are right now because suddenly uh high valuations uh, don't become the problem you know when you get interest rates going down suddenly valuation models allow for some higher prices and therefore that's one sort of support that you end up getting now of course the earnings growth in the last one one and a half year that we have seen uh, has helped bring down the pe ratio uh, but part of the pe ratio decline that you see in the pe charts uh, at the start of 2021 was really because we changed the methodology in which we calculate pe earlier it was based on standalone earnings of companies and now it's based on consolidated a consolidated is definitely a better way to do it because a lot of companies have ended up building subsidiaries different businesses some are hiring of companies and the total revenue really counts i mean take the example of even the biggest company like reliance it has a geo and a retail and you actually want to look at the overall pe and valuation of the company and not just the holding company itself and so with that model becoming common Uh, so many companies have uh, you know subsidiaries whose revenues need to be counted it's good we moved to consolidated but that led to around a 6 point drop i think if i'm not wrong 6 or 8 point drop in the pe ratio and then after that so it had pe ratio was appearing absurdly high at close to 38 40 and that came back to 29 and then actually earnings growth kicked in because of the stimulus in the post pandemic era which caused earnings to grow which kept growing till you know mid of uh, 2022 and that uh, earnings growth of 15 20% brought the pe ratio further down to around 20 where it is right now so it's equi- equitable with what we were seeing pre pandemic but actually uh, the ratio may be uh, uh, a little higher if you actually take stand alone so uh, but even then uh, we are on a consolidated basis back to the levels that we were on a stand alone basis pre pandemic which is still a good low reading the only thing it needs to be justified by lower interest rates otherwise we can keep having the argument saying that no it's not overvalued it's not undervalued but it's fairly valued which is sort of what most of the fund managers you will hear on television saying 
and then the approach becomes to find the right companies let's forget about you know whether it's undervalued overvalued let's buy by where there is value and where there's growth because if there's growth then there's value so uh, you end up giving a premium to growth or individual stocks where mid and small caps start doing better than large caps so that's one theme to really think about because if the market stabilizes you get lower rates you get a falling dollar one of the places where you can get a boom which has been pretty dull in the last 6 months is going to be the mid and small cap stocks where emerging stories are really taking place so that's i think where the big uh, you know baggers will really happen in terms of the stock market uh, in the large caps you can only look at sectors like for example you can think if well the government is spending on capital goods last year they are spending even more this year so the capital goods sector ends up doing well uh, you get a falling dollar you can get a commodity cycle then the cyclicals and uh, commodity uh, related sectors can actually do well and then if global growth stabilizes the it sector can come make a comeback so they, they, these are easy themes to really think about but otherwise you'll have to actually go bottom up and look for individual stocks which have which are building in certain businesses certain areas and showing uh, exponential growth whether it's on the make on make in india story related stories uh, or whether it's something related to the electrification uh, green energy or any uh, anything which is esg related those could be different themes that will pop up from time to time and then there's value stocks which are the psu stocks that really picked up last year anytime economy grows uh the psu stocks which are across uh, sectors actually end up doing pretty well so so many themes to really think about and pick uh, the best within them and one of the ways is simply to see where is the relative strength which are the companies that are holding out better than the market and chase performance so you can actually be a performance investor uh different approaches for different people but the overall point being that lot of the negatives have played out they are getting priced into the market the market support momentum may have slowed sure it could have fallen a lot more and it didn't uh, uh, but that it didn't is itself sign that probably uh, uh, we are done as far as things are concerned now when we look at positioning that further helps that because at two or three of the recent bottoms we've seen extreme shorts built up it had not happened at the beginning of jan when i was actually reading into the put call ratios but post this adani crisis significant shorts have been built up in the futures market with fis and overall positioning if we look at you know adding up all the calls and puts uh, i was being told by my analyst that uh by j essentially that uh, the total uh, amount uh if you add it all up is actually now higher than what it's been over the last couple of years maybe surpass the pandemic uh, reading uh, if you add up uh, you know net positioning across futures and options uh, on a value on a quantity basis which is number of contracts so that's pretty interesting uh, you know things are getting that negative if if the sentiment is getting that negative then it can't really fall the only thing is that you fall because well uh, today even adani stocks were down and it was a holiday and there's no us trading and so there was nothing to move the market but actually if i look at volumes uh, for today which is the 28th of feb volumes are very very thin so the fall was on very thin volumes so i wouldn't really i would actually be suspect of such a decline and we've closed right at the 20 day average which is around 17838 so we'll see tomorrow as you watch whether these levels hold if they do we should see the resumption of the rally that is what i would think short term but in the big picture of things i think there's a medium to longer term uh, bull case which is uh, now possible because of how we've discounted a lot of this negative news that has flown in and of course we have a budget which is supportive of growth and all we need now last is monetary policy kicking in where we can actually move towards lower rates it may not happen immediately but bond yields can be ahead of the curve before even rbi moves on rates 
you might actually start seeing bond yields cool off and that's the thing to really watch if they fall below 7.2% on the 10 year gsec i think we should be out of the woods as far as the you know bond yield trend is concerned and so that's the other big thing to really watch out for we have very similar readings in the us as well the us s&p futures uh, you know speculative contracts reported by the cftc in the cot report is actually showing 200 and i think this week 209000 contracts uh, short and it's been something like this between 200000 to 250000 up and down up and down for several months now i think all the way back from august september in in that period the markets you know had several bounce backs and uh, each time it's not been able to break below that the lows you know it's made a new low but again rallied back harder and harder because of this short position squeezing now of course uh, we can see shorts remain short throughout bear markets uh, but at the same time if something changes uh, and and the perception of the market changes then you actually end up seeing covering uh, before you get another leg down and that's that's what we need to watch out for either the soft hard landing thesis playing out or else the shorts are squeezed and forced to get out of those trades as the you know hard landing case becomes uh, less uh, less of a potential outcome so that's i think the judgment call they will make but right now the short positioning is definitely helping in keeping markets elevated and uh, can even push uh, us into a further rally for us equities so this is the overall setup for markets these are the things to watch out for even though it's now this is the third month going but we might actually uh, let's see we have a week left uh, 10 days in terms of trade rather 8 days i would say 20 27 28 of this month we'll have the monthly close if we can actually close positively that would be a good sign we've had two down months december and january it looks like to me that the worst is over and we will look at uh, whether that actually plays out in the coming days thank you nothing in this podcast is investment advice views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work please consult a registered financial advisor for the same And yes please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.